Welcome to the Clash! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively, but the power comes from the fact that you have a track record, that you have a a history that you have results. It's not potential. It's like, this is what I've already done. I've already created this small little business and it's working great. I've already gotten some cuts. I've, you know, even if it's not big hits, but I've gotten some cuts Some people I'm writing with and we're moving forward. And same thing with the indie artist thing. That's why we call this the climb. Leverage is what you're going to need to get forward in the new music business now. It's not so much about potential as it is about what have you done and is there social proof that it's resonating with other people? And uh, I mean, the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. See what we did there? See what I did? see it. Brilliant. Uh, the guy that came up with that is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Brandy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he also helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro. And not only that, like you're about to find out in this episode, he's going to give you some opportunities to connect with the pros and advance your career and create some relationships. So you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities. And through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a number of investors for their artists. The investors like the numbers because the numbers don't lie because the numbers can't talk. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other. Johnny D. What's up? Hello. Well, we are going to lie at the feet of the master and talk about what today? Today, we are going to be sharing some. Uh, I was also seated, seated at the, the feet of the, another master of the master publishing, Scott Sherrod. He was a guest on a recent uh, Play for Publisher event. And Scott just dropped some massive value bombs, and some of which I'm going to share with you today on The Climb. Oh, awesome. Great advice from a legit hit music publisher uh, for you songwriters, and and a lot of it's applicable to artists as well. So, yeah, we're going to share some of those. Cool. Well, before we get into that, let's uh, let's take care of a little business first. The Climb Podcast is proud to partner with Disc Makers, and they've been supporting any musicians before any music was even a thing. These guys have had your back before you even thought about being an indie musician. Think about that. Mm -hmm. When you're ready to make CDs, DVDs, print up some vinyl, or the the new thing now, people doing a lot of stuff with custom USBs because you can put a lot more content than just audio on there. Mm -hmm. The only place you need to go is discmakers.com, D-I-S-C makers.com. And while you're there, click on the guides and resources tab and download some of their excellent free guides. They've just revised and expanded their home studio handbook, which has a ton of great advice and information for newbies and studio veterans. You can find them online at discmakers.com or you can give them a call at 800 Four six eight nine three five three. That's eight hundred four six eight nine three five three. And hey, join the climb community if you haven't done so already. Uh, it's people helping people. We've all got the same questions, and we're getting a lot of answers and different sort of strategies that work for other songwriters, for other artists. And there's some really good questions that are coming up there, and some really good answers, like on the consistent level that are that are coming out just from the community. Let alone Brent and I jumping in and, and adding our two cents on uh, a lot of different stuff. So there's some some good ways to, to get some insight there. Come and join. Ask to be let. In because you have to and we let everybody in that asks so don't worry about it there's not a velvet rope we just kind of want to keep it on the up and up mm-hmm. leave a, a a rating and five star rating and review if, if you haven't done so already that helps us look legit to other people subscribe 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 so that stuff comes right in automatically into where whatever you whatever app you use to to consume your podcasts and you can consume them in order and go back and hit stuff that uh, maybe you want to revisit and finally tell somebody about it. It, it helps. If, if it comes from you, it's a real deal. I mean, if it helped you, it's going to help them. So we want to help as many people as we can. That's why Brent and I do it. This podcast exists because we want you to win. You can help us help them. 
by that's sharing right. it, right? So uh, that said, um, boy, what do we look? This is kind of exciting because I, I, yes. I haven't actually witnessed one of these yet. Mm-hmm. I could just ask you, and you would let me, but I haven't. Um, <laughs> so I'm right. kind of interested in some of the feedback that happens in these. So explain yeah. a little well, bit about. Well, first we have we do have a review. Speaking of reviews, right? Oh. Yes, we do. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep you on track, Johnny. I'm, I'm excited to talk about <laughs> this. I'm so excited too. to get into what you're going to talk about. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a good problem. So latest review here. This is a, a five-star review. It's from Mel K Music. The, the title is Love the Podcasts with an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. I listened to my first podcast yesterday and really enjoyed it. Today, I've, I've listened to a few more and they have been super helpful. I really enjoyed the song title Challenges. It's a really cool to see how Brent and Johnny dive into a songwriting session and the different ideas and paths that they can take with their, with their song ideas. They offer great tips and the Klon community is great. I'm proud to be a part. So thank you for that, Mel K Music. Yes, thank you, Mel K Music. Thank you for the tasty five star review. Yes, tasty, sir. a little crispy. Yeah, a little nugget. Right. A little bit. Popcorn in the corn community too, which is down. good. I love that. Love yeah. it. <laughs> All right, keep on climbing, Mel. All right, so yeah, we're gonna talk about advice. So this is from our March uh, 2019 Play for Publisher event. So generally, do these quarterly, like every three months we have one. I skipped one because I was in China, but back on track, getting them going again. And our guest was Scott Sherrod of Rare Spark Media uh, in Nashville. It's a publishing company. And Scott was my first publisher. He worked at Major Bob Music when I signed my deal there. He's the creative director. So Scott and I go back over a decade. Just a cool dude. Also produced some stuff. Was producing a buddy of mine, Lane Turner on Warner Brothers, and uh, has produced some other records. And he's kind of all over the business, man. He's over at Rare Spark Media, a couple of their writers right now are Walker Hayes. So the mm-hmm. rising country artist of like, you broke up with me and Craig and 90s country. Victoria Banks, who's won like some Canadian country music awards and has had a bunch of hits and singles and stuff up there and in the US and, and some other folks too. So that's what he's doing at Rare Spark now. He's also the guy that pitched More Than a Memory to Garth, oh, wow. which ended up, you know, debuting at number one. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is you know, Scott was working for Major Bob at the time in publishing. That was not a Major Bob song. He's just like, really? it's a great freaking song. So this and is where the politics didn't play. He's just like, you know what? This is a good song. This, this is, needs to go to an artist that I think is going to like it. I'm yeah. going to make it happen. And now, granted, you know, Major Bob, Bob Doyle, the Major Bob, is Garth's manager. So it was still, there's some still in-house love because the better Garth does, the better Bob does, the better Bob does. Is he still Garth's manager? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, still. I knew, I knew he one. was, I knew from day one he was there. I didn't know that he was still doing it. Okay. Yeah, man. It, oh, yeah. So it's still still kicking, but that didn't directly affect the publishing side of it. But anyway, I just, that was really cool. Scott just found a great song and pitched it, even though yeah. it wasn't one of, one of his. So I'm like, that's really cool. So he was our guest. And basically what happened was uh, with these Play for Publisher events, the songwriting pro community, they send songs in. I, I rifle through them and I try to find the 10 that I think are have the best chance of catching our publisher's ear in a good way. And then we all hop on a video conference where we're face-to-face like you and I are right now over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And Scott listens and he gives feedback and have a couple back and forth, you know, some questions. The, you know, so the songwriter can, can ask him like follow-up or, hey, what do you think about this or whatever for a few minutes and then we move on to the next one. Uh, so it's cool. It's a, it's a cool kind of intimate event there are the 10 riders and then me and scott mm-hmm. and uh, then we you know had the replay available for all the everyone who like entered a song gets to watch the replay not live but they get to watch the replay so they get to have they get to watch the full thing go oh here are the songs that were picked here's you know what i think about them but here's what the publisher had to say about them and here's you know some of the value bombs he's dropping so this is just some of the nuggets i pulled out of that but there are a lot more so this happens quarterly, but he was our guest. So we'll just dive into some of these. I just want to share, and Johnny, you and I can kind of hop I'm dying on. to hear it. Yeah, like I, haven't yeah. Seen, like I said, I haven't seen one of these yet. I mean, guys, this is just so cool. I'm just from my perspective, if you're a songwriter, I, I, I don't know. If I was trying to do the professional songwriting thing, I'd try to be on, on every one of these. Like, even if I didn't have a song to submit, just because I'd want to hear mm-hmm. like what yeah. the competition is. It, it's going to give me, a, if I'm not in Nashville and I'm not writing on the row, it's going to give me a pulse to check as to mm-hmm. what, you know, what, 
what's relevant now, what they're looking for now, what's mm-hmm. so you're kind of on top of the game and you're not feeling like an outcast because you're not in the ground zero of where it's going to happen. And then you, you can see too, just, okay, where's the bar at and how much yeah. more work do I have to do? I mean, and, and then be a, a fly on the wall to get that exchange. That's invaluable. I yeah, mean, I think it's great. And we have people that do that. They're like, I don't have anything ready to submit, but I just want to claim my spot so I get to watch the replay. Yeah. That well, alone is worth the, you know, worth the price of admission. So yeah, if you're out of town or, or if you're in town, but you haven't had publisher meetings yet, it's valuable because like, what goes on? What's it like? And I've had a ton of publisher meetings where the camera's not on, right? Yeah. And this is it's pretty much like it is. Yeah, it's a group thing, but still just to get a chance of like what publishers say and what kind of advice and where the bar is and that sort of stuff. It's pretty accurate as far yeah. as, you know, like if you walk in the room with Scott or someone else, this is kind of what you're getting. And so it can demystify that a little bit and make it be a little less scary and help you prepare for having those meetings. So I think there's layers and layers and layers of value to these things. So, and it's fun. It gives me a chance to hang out with my publisher buddies. Not to beat the dead horse real quick, but one thing I just we've mentioned this a couple of times in the podcast, but when we first met, you had those three questions on your thermos <laughs> and, and you had yeah. had a meeting with, with a guy that said, these songs are hit songs. And you're like, wow, thanks. And, and you, and then he said in the nineties, like, oh. right? Yeah. And so if you had had something like this, mm-hmm. right, where you could be listening in to what they're wanting now, you would have noticed being the smart guy that you are like, they're not doing these three part, yeah, hopefully so. Or if someone had played something like that, then they would have jumped on like, oh, yeah, we're not doing this. This is more where things are going. Yeah, it's, it's a heads up yeah. about what's what's going on currently and what they're looking, what's working, what's not working, that sort of thing. And just getting a, a sense for the vibe of like, oh, gosh, you know, this, oh, I'm on the right track or I'm not. Yeah, when something happens in the industry, like there was before Florida Georgia Line and after Florida Georgia Line, right? Yeah. When the bro country got ushered in and all of a sudden the lyrics started to go a different way, the vibe mm-hmm. started to go a different way and that became really popular and really sellable. Well, if you're not, it's more than just paying attention to what's on the radio, but if, if you have the back-end knowledge on that, if you can get in the room, then you can start to make some adjustments that you mm-hmm. can uh, continue to pursue that cut for... And, and at least you're putting up a product or pre- presenting a product to somebody that you want to create a relationship with that's going to be relevant. Like, even if it's not something that they're going to necessarily take, it's yeah. they can see that you're on the right track. Like, you're not, you're not right. over here, like in 1970, like, this isn't helping me now. Like, you know, exactly. you're not wasting their time. You've got something and that's going to be better for you just to create that relationship. Mm. It's all about, right? So oh, it's, relationships are huge. And, and thankfully, these are, you know, what I call these, these are door openers. They're not deal closers, these events, yeah. but they open a door. They're not bat. You get literal FaceTime and you get to play your song for a, a publisher. And I've had, you know, people that have gone on to like sign publishing deals, you know, not like directly from that, but it's like, that's the level that we're at with the yeah. songs that are coming in. And then people that are like, hey, are you, you in town? Come on by the office. Yeah, you know, love that. And it's real. just again, if I can, man, <laughs> you know, because we keep the songs at a pretty high level, as high as, well, I can only go as high as what's sent in, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But thankfully, a lot of good writers out there in the songwriting pro community and, and the climb community and people going, let me, let me listen to this some more. Let me see if I can find a spot for this. I think I may have a home for this. Some place to pitch it and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's live fire, man. It's, it's a real thing. I mean, publishers come in there and, and sometimes, well, it's funny with Scott, he said, it and you see it on the replay, like, man, these are really good songs. Like, good job picking songs, Brent. I was like, hey, yeah. trying to put my ENR ears on. But that's why we've had a lot of repeat business too, is how do publishers find songs? One way they find songs and songwriters is through events like this, where they're curated and, and they feel like it's not going to waste their time. They're going to find quality stuff because they're always looking for quality stuff. And I'm just thankful that people send in good songs because otherwise yeah, it's not going to go well if it's a bunch of bonehead songs. That, that's they right. Not. But anyway, let's, let's get to the nuggets. Okay. All right. This one thing Scott said, and this is all paraphrased. Okay. So this is basically, you know, the gist of it. Um, it's not a publisher's job to tell you exactly how to fix or change your song. That's up to you. You're the creative one. You're the creative genius. But part of publisher's job is to raise red flags when necessary. Cause we were, you know, Scott was listening to a song when there was a, there was a thing in there. He's like, well, I think this thing here that, you know, is maybe too much like 
you know, this recent hit that was out, like some of the idea, it's not on the melody, it's not on the lyric, but there's like an idea, it's, it's kind of similar. And maybe you could twist it where it's not right on so much on top of this other hit. And they're like, yeah, what would you, you know, what do you think about the blah, blah, blah? He's like, well, it's not really my job to tell you exactly how to fix a song because you're right. the creative genius. <laughs> it's my job right. to raise red flags. And I thought that was interesting is that, you know, sometimes a publisher will say, well, I think this part right here is broken. They may be able to put a line on it or say, what if you change the thing to this? And that, you know, so every publisher is a little bit different on how into the creative they will dig because some publishers are songwriters as well and some aren't and that sort of thing. But just the value of going, well, th this thing here, this red flag over and let me plant this red flag over here, but you're the creative genius this is why you're here. I might be able to make a suggestion, but odds are you're going to be able to come up with something better because that's what you do. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting too. Is that you know? So I guess I got something to add to that. So it's kind of like, yeah. first of all, know your lane, right? Uh -huh. In NASCAR, you got the guy that's responsible for driving the car, mm -hmm. and then you got these other guys that are responsible for making sure that the car is performing the way it's supposed to perform, mm -hmm. given the, the track and the conditions and blah blah blah. And you got the crew, and they're supposed to do their thing. And just because they don't know all of it, you know, I mean, it's it's like you're a lyricist. You don't care about playing guitar. Yeah, you can't assume that you know that. Mm -hmm. One of the revelations I had early in the music industry, we got the opportunity to hang for a little bit because there was a killer recording studio by my house where I grew up, like a world-class facility. And Queensryche was in there, like one of my favorite bands, Mixing yeah. Empire, which was like the biggest record they were ever going to have. And we got an in to go in to the studio. I mean, uh -huh. this isn't like, this is even bigger than backstage. Yeah. This is crazy personal, crazy vulnerable and we got the opportunity to go in there and Peter Collins was the producer. Jimbo Barton was the engineer. And I just remember he granted us some time and sat down and talked with us while they were working on this mix. I just remember asking, like, dude, what do you do? Like, you're the producer. And it astounded me to find out that he's not an engineer. Mm. You know, where Michael Wagner is a producer and an engineer and a player and a guitar. He can do all those things and, and does it this way. Peter does it a different way. He's a very smart musician, mm -hmm. uh, but he picks his engineers depending on what project he's going to work on, right? And Jimbo yeah. Barton's got very clean ears. And so Queen's Rick had a very clean sound as opposed to, if you think about that juxtaposed against Guns N' Roses, which um, is a dirtier sound, right? It's just a little yeah. more loosey-goosey. I remember him saying that and then realizing that, wow, there's different kinds of producers. Well, yeah. to your point with the publishers, there's different kinds of publishers. Mm -hmm. Maybe this guy's a songwriter too, and he might be more forthcoming with some some with a lyric or something and maybe he doesn't want to be because he's like i don't want to have any kind of contention with uh, who wrote it right yeah the big thing though is what he was saying is my job is to go try to get this cut mm -hmm. and here's what they're going to tell me yeah, yeah <laughs> i can tell already what they're going to tell me and so if i can give you this just move this change this then that takes mm -hmm. that off the table and that they're going to take the song and its merits. Right. So yeah. there's a situation where I would hope that people wouldn't be, they wouldn't bow up on them or they wouldn't be a little upset about that. It's just like, okay, cool. Like here, here's a way to tweak. Here's a way to do one more thing, get you closer to the end zone. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think it's important that you can't expect to rely on a publisher to kind of fix your song. Like it's close enough. They can do something with it. You know, the hell they can do something with it. No. You yeah. know, they a publisher may give you some feedback. I think this part's it's weird here. It's an over in this air second verse or something. You know, whatever. It's not making sense. But it's ultimately you got to put in the work and you got to do the writing and you got to get your songs right. Right. You know, you, you can't count because you're the songwriter writing in the on the whiteboard. I'm going to fix it. Yeah, you're the songwriter. <laughs> That's your job yeah. description. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so that was one thing I thought was interesting. Another one. You know, Scott works at a, at a publishing company. They make their living and they keep the lights on by getting songs cut that monetize, that make money, right? That's how they keep the lights on and everyone keeps their gig. So he said, if you want to be a songwriter in a corporate environment, meaning they got to get songs to monetize to keep the lights on. That's, I think that's what he means by like corporate environment, not necessarily huge. Because, you know, Rare Spark is, a, is an independent publisher. You know, mm -hmm. they're not owned by a big conglomerate that I'm aware of at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so not like a BMG or some of those that, you know, have more of the corporate infrastructure, but in the corporate environment, meaning business environment, you have to realize, yeah, it can be hard not to be married to every song you write. 
and to hang on to them really closely. Because, like, after all, you, you have to be close to a song to write that life-changing song. Like, you're going to write a life-changer. You've you got to be emotionally invested in it. you got to be close to it, to the subject matter, to, to, to the song itself. That's how you can write something that's life-changing. But you have to balance that with having the perspective to see the song for what it really is. You know, because we, we can get really tied up and these are our babies and we bring them in and the publisher's like, I just don't see that working. Yeah. Or this thing here is not going to work. And, and knowing that I'm super close to this, this is meaningful. This is why this is powerful. But there's a, a couple things here that might be poison pills commercially. And our job is to make money so we can all keep doing this and make more music. You have to have that perspective on that and just go, well, that's the way it is. I'm so close to it. I can't change anything. And some songs are very personal and they're for you and you turn them in because you have to. Mm -hmm. But other times you go, okay, is there, is there a way to do what, you know, to change a song up, to tweak it, to do some rewrites where it still has that integrity. I'm still close to it. I still care about it, but it's also more commercially viable. And so just having that balance and know that it's a business, music business. Not yeah. music hobby, not music personal, but it's just because you love it doesn't mean it's it's cuttable. Doesn't mean it's a big hit. And just yeah. having some perspective in business sense on that, because that's that's what they have to do. That's how they keep feeding their children. And you know what? Here's a revelation. You don't have to feel dirty about that. No. Because here's the thing. It's just it just depends on how you frame it in your mind and how you spin it in your mind. And I'm not saying like talk yourself into it or talk yourself out of something that's evil or bad or whatever. But sometimes I think that, well, I don't think I know. Like as songwriters, a lot of times the initial approach uh, for somebody early on in their journey is that there's some kind of limit, right? Mm -hmm. To the amount of songs you're going to write. No, and, I, I, and therefore I gotta, you know, I, I gotta be careful with the ones that, with these right here. So and precious like, about them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, if you're a songwriter, you're going to write a boatload of songs and, yeah. and you're going to keep getting better and keep getting better. And there's going to be different gems or milestones along that way. Mm-hmm. But you can't come, you have to come from a place of abundance. You have to believe in the abundance. You have to believe in the muse. Like it's going to, it's going to keep coming to you and you're going to keep learning. If you think like the last one you wrote was the best one and and that's, you're never going to beat that. You've already kind of lost. Right. Yeah. And so with this regard, I mean, I, I think that there's no need for, to get upset about uh, when somebody's like, yeah, this isn't working or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'll get another one over here, you know, or, yeah, I'll, I'll or, I, can, or I can retool it. I can beat it. Yeah. And to, I, I remember, uh, um, you know, that story, uh, we've mentioned this before, but like Janie Lane from Warrant, when he was asked to write songs for a soundtrack and he's like, he, instead of saying I'm selling out for this check to write mm-hmm. movies for this fricking or write songs for this fricking movie, which is mm-hmm. one way to go, right? Yeah. He went the other way going, well, this is a cool new creative way that I've never done this. Like this, I've never mm-hmm. approached writing a song where I'm looking at a scene in a movie and trying to cook up a hook and, and then a subsequent melody and a verse from that. So it was like a, this new creative itch that he could scratch. He doesn't ever have to scratch it again if he doesn't want to. But right. what an interesting sort of exploratory, very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like naive is not the word, but just uh, I'm going into this new place. Open, open. open. Yeah, just open hearted. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you said something, Brenda that resonated with me about like, well, sometimes you write this stuff from your heart because you've got this thing going on deep inside you and you've got to get it out or you're going to climb a tower with a gun and be on the right. system. News, right. But then other times, it, what about just the creative exercise of, well, here is a neat little, it, who cares what happens to it, right? But we're just going to yeah. try to write it from a different perspective, mm-hmm. from a different way and see how well we can do and see if there's a muscle that we can flex there that's worth flexing. Yeah. Right? Well, but you don't get to judge. The only way out is through. you got to try it first, right? Yeah. It's funny. I, I've heard Gary Burr. So he's, you know, great songwriter, string up hits a mile long. And so I heard him speaking at an NSAI thing a long time ago. I got the speaker tape before I even moved to Nashville. You could buy these speaker tapes. I was listening to that. I'd tear it up, you know, trying to hear hit songwriter talk and kind of the way to pick their brain. And, yeah. you know, so he was writing all these sad songs or these really dark songs or whatever. And then he finally wrote like a happy song and it was a hit. And he goes, huh. <laughs> he's like, happy song, new car, happy song, new car 
Oh, <laughs> Pavlov's dog. <laughs> the Pavlovian response bell, is yeah. like, hey. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Anyway, so here's another thing that Scott was talking about. He said, you know, he doesn't listen to a lot. And I think this holds true for other publishers because I've, I've heard the same or similar things from other publishers. He doesn't listen to a lot of outside songs. Outside song meaning songs that his staff writers didn't have a hand in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, publishers try to have a well-rounded roster of writers. And so they're going to go to that, their writer stuff first. That's their priority is to listen to that stuff, try to cast those songs for, you know, where we're going to go pitch these, let's get these cut. So they don't have as much time to listen to, to outside stuff. But with outside stuff, it's all about who's looking right now. Meaning, you know, so when they do hear stuff, he's interested in going, is there a place for this right now? Not just like, is this a good song that could someday get cut? Because he's got a boatload of those coming in, right? Yep. From writers that he believes in, he's invested in, they're turning in songs. Most of them never get cut, but yep. that's his stack of let's go to the well. So as an outside writer, it's going, who can I go play this for today? Is there somebody that is cutting right now that this fills a need like that? I don't already have. Right. But yeah. I, I think, Oh, I know who to go take this to. Cause they're looking Brooks and Dunn is looking right now or Florida Georgia line is looking. Keith Urban is looking. Kenny Chesney's looking. Tim McGraw is looking right now. I can run this to them. Yeah. And, and so it's more about like, yeah, can you solve one of my problems right now? That's <clears throat> what's really going to move the needle. Now you get other songs that are really good competitive. Um, they may, and, and this is me extrapolating from this quote be good relationship builders and like, yeah, man, you're doing good work and they want you to keep coming in. Cause they're hoping one day you're You're going to bring that song or a spot opens up where you can fill that spot in that roster, that sort of thing. And, and this is one thing I've noticed too, because you know, I'm self-published right now. So I have a publishing deal right now and I hadn't really been looking for one just cause of the situation, but you know, so I go around and I meet with different publishers and I play them some songs and stuff and stuff that I own publishing on. So open publishing and, it's interesting. You're like, you play good songs that if I were on staff, they'd be like, great. Or even if they weren't demoed, they may go demo them. But it's something different. They go. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, let me go send this to Alison Krauss. Or let me go, ooh, I want to send this to, you know, Trace Atkins' producer. You know, when you bring in the thing, and you're like, by the way, this is available. If you can get a cut, we work something out. They're like, let me send this to so-and-so, you know, like right away, immediate response. Right. And, and that's a higher bar than, uh, we talked about this in other episodes, like what is your end, uh, what is your your timeline, or what is your end point? Yeah, I think it was the episode, what is your end point? about at one point when I was writing my endpoint was get a demo write songs that kind of thing now if you don't have a publishing deal and you're going and you're playing for a publisher maybe it's going maybe you know maybe we can work for something in the future <clears throat> the bar coming out of the meetings is are they going to go run out and play this for somebody 
Because that's mm-hmm. kind of where the bar moves up to, really. I mean, it's good if they dig your songs, they want to hear more. Again, I'm not shopping for a deal right now, but, you know, mm-hmm. just building relationships or co-writes, that kind of stuff, and just brand awareness. But then that becomes the win is, oh, let me, I think I got a spot for this. Let me go and send this or get an email going, hey, I sent this to so-and-so or like that's really where much more where the bar is, you know, when it comes to publishers is like Scott was saying, it's about who's looking right now. Can you solve a problem right now? Can you fill a slot right now with what you're bringing in? Right. And that's what's really going to get movement is, oh my gosh. Yeah. Here's something. You know, for 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 the songwriter and for the publisher, exactly, That's what's get movement in that relationship. I think you know what this made me think of, like a football analogy, because right now, like as it. we speak, downtown is there's two hundred fifty thousand people watching the NFL draft live on Broadway. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? Yeah, there's, it's been quoted by many that football is a game of inches, right? Yes. And what do we see on the highlight reel? The big bomb, the the incredible mm-hmm. defensive play. What you don't see is over the course of the game is the time where they took three downs to move the ball 10 yards. Yeah, exactly 10 yards. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and there are plays, this is my point, there are plays that are designed to do that. Some, it's not like every play has the potential to be the big bomb, Hail Mary, right. awesome, cameras flashing, going to make the highlight reel on ESPN thing i mean most of the plays are designed to move the ball forward just a little bit Mm -hmm. right understanding that there's multiple different kinds of plays some of them are just short gain like a a, you know a yard or two some of them are designed to be little five yard little dumps over the over Mm -hmm. the over the line and some of them are designed to be a big gainer yeah and and have multiple outs it's sophisticated like that this is the same thing like just from a student of the game point of view i want to point out to the songwriters understand what play it is that you're about to execute you know Mm -hmm. and in this case if you're in the outside and you're not one of those writers that has a publishing deal, know that this is, this is the play. Is, is there something right now that they have that you can, that you can do? Mm-hmm. That way, you're not going in with an expectation of, um, oh, my God, well, he didn't sign me to a deal, so I'm a failure, right? Right. Like, no, that wasn't the play. That was never the play. Right, yeah. <laughs> you, you know? And then to your point, too, and we keep stressing this on this podcast, is like if, if, if you're that songwriter and they can see that you're that songwriter inside, you know, they don't want to stay in touch with you, right? Exactly, the more yeah. they keep that relationship going. So, yep. Uh, let's see here what else we got. Um, oh, he t- talked about some of the stuff with the demos on these particular songs were pretty specific. So he, he said, you know, think about how to demo a song where it's a wide pitch, meaning it can be presented to many different artists. The more specific a demo is, so it sounds so much like a particular artist mm-hmm. that there are less places you can pitch it. So there was one in particular that he's like, Man, you know, with this demo, it's, it's really specific in the, the, like this kind of country rock guitar driven kind of way. He goes, but I, I think the song could be, he goes, I would think about, and again, he's not telling you exactly how to do it, but in a way of, of if you could demo this song in a way, it could be a wider pitch. Because I think you could pitch this to like the Kenny Chesneys and the so-and-sos, but the way it's demoed right now, it's really much more like Aldine's kind of the way you can go, for example. Yeah, And if Aldine doesn't do it, it's so very Aldine. But I think the song, if you present it in a different way, you could pitch it to Aldine, but you could also pitch it to so-and-so. And and one he had mentioned, he's like, man, I think this idea could go, on one edge, you could go John Party. On the other edge, you could go Brad Paisley. He goes, I think they could both do what you're talking about, the subject matter here. But the way it's kind of demoed, it leans in one way. Yeah, exactly. You know, think about how to present it in a way that's broader, and he's not getting into super specifics on that because that's that is always changing. But that mindset of going, how can I present this in a way that I could go to a lot of different places? Where it's not bland and vanilla, it's still it's got to be compelling, but it's also open enough that you can get a lot of um, a lot of pitches out of. It. I remember, and Scott was probably in the room for this. Uh, um, one of my memories at Major Bob because Scott was my creative director at Major Bob. I remember being in a room and playing a new demo session that actually Scott probably produced <laughs> playing my five songs. And I remember Mike Doyle, one of the other pluggers there, writing down a big list on his yellow legal pad as we're listening down. He, what, what's he doing? He's writing down artist names. And he goes like, this gets me excited. Look at all these names. These are all the places I think we can go with these songs. Yeah. It wasn't like one artist per song. It was like, I could go with Chris Young. I could go with so-and-so and Toby Keith and blah, blah, blah. You know, like 
that's yeah. one thing that gets them fired up is going, there are a lot of places we can go with this. Right. Not because it's bland and vanilla, but it's just, it's open enough. It's still really strong or they wouldn't have demoed the stuff, but it's still open enough. You can go more than one spot with that. So okay. your chances. I got, yeah, I got a lot to say about that actually. So, because okay. we, this is what we do all the time when we're producing song demos, mm-hmm. um, which we do on the regular. And first of all, this is a really good reason, unless you know exactly what you're doing, not as a singer, because there's a lot of writers that are killer singers, right? There are. Mm-hmm. But if you know exactly what you're doing uh, is, and you know the code, and we're going to keep mm-hmm. using that forever moving forward, I can tell. And you know <laughs> the code for demo singer, mm-hmm. because it's different, right? Yeah. Then if you don't know that, this is a really good reason to get a pro singer, right? Mm-hmm. To sing it. Because I've had multiple times where I know if we just change the feel of it, mm-hmm. of the vocal, you know what? Can Instead of singing this so far back, like maybe like a crazy, who's saying crazy? Um, oh, Patsy Klein. Yeah, Patsy Klein, way behind the beat. What if we bring this up on top of the beat a little bit? And then all of a sudden by just doing something like that, where again, a pro singer is like a pro quarterback. They can put the ball wherever you want it. You tell yeah. them where to put it and they don't have an attachment, like some sort of artistic attachment to to what's mm-hmm. happening so it's not going to feel foreign to them mm-hmm. and they can just move it and then yeah. you just get it done. now it's a broader pitch now we can also pitch to carry as well as to an artist who sings behind the beat number one mm-hmm. number two i think that a lot of times just because for pragmatic and budgetary reasons if you're an artist that's also writing and you also are pursuing cuts that you know i hear a lot of demos that confused with the big epic artist record and it's, you know, understand what the demo is. The demo is a B2B product. It's not B2C. Yeah. I mean, it's business to business, not business to consumer. You're here selling to the label, to the artist, another business. That's you're right. You're, yeah, I'm sorry. You, your audience yeah. does not care about your production. And they don't care about the epic buildup to, to this or to that. What they mm-hmm. care about is the lyric, the melody, and the vibe of the track. Mm-hmm. And the more production that you put in there could be a deterrent right it it, it, and like maybe you have an artist who would never ever do like vocal pads like oohs and ahs in their tracks there but if you put those in there because they fit for you as an artist that could work as a pitch for the artist who doesn't use those but if you leave them in on the demo you're 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 going backwards not forwards. so yeah Understand that, because I think a lot, of, sometimes people are thinking right now, what popped into my head is, oh, well, man, so what do I got to do? Like record five different damn demos for, a, mm. no, a lot of this can be done in the mix, right? Which is mm. some proper prior planning and intention. You can do different things in the mix that are, okay, take out the stuff that's not necessary to sell the lyric, the melody, mm. and the vibe of the track. Take out the candy that's for the artist track. And maybe it's candy for what's happening right now. Maybe it's a really good demo that's happening right now. That's a trend. Like we've had a trend of the, how many songs have the backbeat with the finger snap. Yeah. And, and there's like a million of them. So you got a demo that's doing that. Well, that's smart. Have that, but also have a mix without it. Oh yeah. We've done that. We've, um, there's a song that uh, I wrote with Jerry and Boyer who's having a bunch of hits and, and my brother-in-law, Matt Klein, we wrote a song called rolling in it. And we have two versions. One's got the, the loop, the drum loop in it. One doesn't. Yeah. So one's hard to, yeah. you know, whatever, got that thing. And then the other just doesn't have it. So it's a little, pulls a little countryer. And, and that was, you know, several years ago. And it's like, yeah, you know, depending on who I'm pitching to, maybe I do one or the other. I remember I was looking through some, my pitch log the other day, my pitch notes. And um, I pitched to a guy for uh, Montgomery Gentry and there was songs, you know, and our song got a lot of, hey, hey, kind of stuff in the, you know, in some spots in the background, you know, some big old haze. Mm-hmm. And this is like eight years ago, whatever. He's like, man, that's really cool for them. I think it's cool. I don't, you know, feel like they're doing the, he goes, I may pop this into Pro Tools and get rid of the haze and yeah. play it for them. But he just, because of what they were looking for at that time, you know, then that wasn't kind of in their wheelhouse. But he's like, man, but that wasn't integral to the song. That was just like a live energy yeah. kind of thing in some spots. So, yeah, I may pop that out and play it for him. Like, yeah. Okay. You know, so there's some variations. And that really costs no extra to go, let's do, you know, because we do vocal down, vocal up mixes, mm-hmm. you know, where the vocal's way out front and other, it's, it's a little deep. I, uh, I usually always pitch a vocal up just because I want you to hear the melody and the lyric, right? Yeah. And that's not cutting totally different versions of it. That's just, 
hey, mix it, then pop that, get rid of the haze or whatever. And now here's another version. Just bounce it down. It really doesn't cost you any extra. Uh, yeah, another, but it, it, as long as you're thinking about it right then and you're intentional about it mm-hmm. and you're a student of the game for recording song demos or you know, doing something like an edit to make your epic EP track mm. be a viable song demo product, right? Mm. Where you get rid of the one minute intro, you get, you know, you, you can mix it up, just a quick edit and just show them this and don't get married to that production. Right. And, uh, because they're, whether, if you win and you get the cut, they're going to recut it. Yeah. They, it's like your production. That's what I'm saying. Your production doesn't matter in this situation. So don't be married to that. Understand the difference between the two and, and being able to do that. Another, another thing that I think of is it's really hard, no matter how good of a musician you are to hear a vocal, like an octave above mm-hmm. or an octave below, right? Like here's a great song, but if you had Blake Shelton sing this, this would be great for Blake. Well, you know what? Then there's a good situation where it only costs you maybe 150 bucks to get another singer to come in mm-hmm. and, and a male singer to sing it down an octave if you think it could work both ways for a female and a male mm-hmm. and, and, and do that and then have two versions of it. It's far less expensive than to go remix it, get the studio time, get another mm-hmm. singer. If you're not taking care of business while you're making that, it's the least expensive way to do it. So have some intention, know how the game is played, know what they're looking for yeah. is different than what you might be doing as an artist. And if you're a singer and an incredible singer, but you got a certain way of laying this vocal down, you and I have talked about that, Brent, before, where you've, had, you've written for major label artists. I think we were talking about a Ruthie Collins cut where she sang it because she wanted to present it to her label as for a song for her. Then you had a pro singer sing it so that it didn't have her on it, right? So that it, had, it could have a life over here maybe with another artist if that's, if that's the way it was going to happen. And a guy like uh, uh, sing it too, like a, a guy singer. We had, yeah, that wasn't a Ruthie thing. I don't know if we've done that with Ruthie, but that's a concern sometimes because you, you get a, you know, you're working with an artist. I mean, there's some stuff I, you know, wrote with Hillary Scott from Lady Annabellum and some stuff I wrote with the band and that mm-hmm. they didn't cut. And you're like, well, I'm pitching it, but it has Hillary or Hillary and Charles on it. And sometimes the people's first response is, well, why didn't Lady A cut it? Yeah. Are, are these the cast offs? No, just maybe it wasn't their lane. It wasn't their, you know what? But it doesn't matter. You, if that's in someone's head, then that can be a it's detriment. Still psychology. Yeah. I mean, you can love it, turn it up the demo going, yeah, Lady A on my song, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but other people, you know, maybe better to hire somebody else on another version. Oh, gosh. Okay, so the multiple versions, I think what you're thinking of is, and this was a a major Bob demo that Scott shared, I'm sure produced, but there's a song I wrote with uh, Robin Welty and I think Rory Burke, um, a song called In the Middle Of, a big ballad kind of thing. And we were writing it, we're like, oh, this could be a male song, this could be a female song. We're looking at it going, this could be a duet, like Mm -hmm. without changing anything, lyrically or melodically or whatever. So what we did was when we went in, Scott figured this stuff out, had a kid, found his singers. So we got Casey Bowles to do the female version. She's awesome. I can't remember the guy we got to do. Love her. I use her all the time. Yeah, yeah she's great. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. It's been a long time. But it got him to do the, the male version. And so cut one track, but we keyed mm-hmm. it right for those singers, right? And they, that was part of Scott's job, not me as a writer. I'm way out of my depth on that stuff. I'm like, keys? It gets me indoors. I don't know what that yeah. is. Well, and, like, let's talk about that for just a second. Let me interrupt. So, so it, I've done this a million times. If it can go either way like that, the girl's going to pick, if she's keying it for her, she's, gonna, mm-hmm. she's a pro singer. She knows where her sweet spot is because yes. there's no she can hit, but then there's the the money notes that she has. Right. So she's going to key that song to make sure that most of what's happening is in that wheelhouse. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a different key than the guy singer typically. And so uh, there's times where if I tell my singers, Hey, I'm going to do a duet. It's going to be you two. I put them in touch with one another and then we can key it. Or, or I mean, I know them well enough now that I can just do it mm-hmm. where I just know like there's a key in between that's going to be a little higher than what she would normally like. Mm-hmm. and uh, or, or what he would normally like and a little mm-hmm. lower than what she would normally like. But then we can, we can do it without having to do weird, funky stuff in Pro Tools to change yeah. the key and, and make everybody happy. But again, intention, intention. about knowing, opening. yeah, this is yeah. what we got to do for this. So. Scott works the casing and the male singer got a keyed right. And so we cut one track, one version. She came in, she knocked out a great female vocal, whole song. 
So now mm-hmm. we have female version. We pitched to females. The singer, the male singer came in, knocked out a killer male vocal. So same track. Now we have a great male vocal we can pitch. And then we also had him do a duet version. She took like one verse and he took the other. And we had him do each other's harmonies and stuff. And we were able to put that, kind of cobble that together. Uh, but it still sounds right. And now we have a third version. For the price of one track and two singers, we have three versions that we can pitch. So if someone's looking for a demo uh, for a duet, I'm like, here's a duet. You don't have to imagine it as a duet. Boom. Yeah. Or male version, boom. Female version, boom. And so yeah. talk about widening your pitches. And <clears throat> so that that's some other stuff. So that's super huge right there. Cause that's just, that's a money saver, man. That's saving money. Yeah. That's world right there. And you yeah. got to be efficient. You got to be efficient with that stuff. Cause even for the long game, you're going to be doing a lot of spending a lot of money and <laughs> you want to make it back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. You're speaking of that. These days, the ability to make tracks is a plus. And this is coming from Scott. You can expand that can expand on who a publisher can put you in the room with. So, you know, hear the term, oh, track guys or track girls. Usually it's track guys. It just seems to be majority of them, but there are definitely some great female track people too. So track people, meaning basically you got garage band, logic, pro tools, whatever at your house. And you can, you're basically your producer. Mm-hmm. you can build tracks maybe you play some of the stuff maybe it's banned in a box kind of thing however it gets done it sounds great and you can bring in tracks to a write, or you're building tracks as you write mm-hmm. which is cool there's value for that as a writer it, there's value for me as a co-writer i'm working with the guy right now we're last time we got together we finished up a song that we just wrote from scratch together so just banging away on guitar kind of thing and he's and then we're looking for something else to write because we want to start something else. And he's like, I got this thing. And it was his track. And he had like a first verse and a chorus. And it sounds like it sounds like the demo, basically, is right. already done. And he's like, I just need some where to go on the second verse. And for me as a core, I'm like, yeah, because I know I got the vibe. Yeah. Got a good start in the lyric. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's like, that's like writing with a band. Cause you get to, you get immediate, like, like, Oh yeah. Oh, this house gonna sound I, cool. I don't have to <laughs> ma- you know, imagine like, this could be cool. I think we're going to aim it like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Let me own this. So there's that value. And I've written with other people that are kind of like building the track as we work. And so you're like kind of making the demo and you can, sometimes you leave that day with the demo yeah. of, of the song, but you can always go back and tweak stuff as you need to. That's, Cool, because, yeah, they feel like oh, if you're doing that, you're probably also a melody writer a lot of times, you know, musically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they can put you in the room with anybody. They can put you in the room with lyricists. They can put you in the room with artists, which is great. That's how some people end up getting production gigs is they're do you know, they do the demos writing with an aspiring artist and they get the deal. And they're like, man, that sound is what they love. We can't find anyone else that can quite get that, that, that thing. And so songwriters become producers that way. Yeah. Um, it's good economically because, hey, a publisher didn't have to pay for that. You know, you yeah. may have to hire a couple things out, but a you know, demo singer or whatever, but it's so much more economical than going in doing the full band thing. And for some mm-hmm. things, that's all you need. Some things, it's still cool to have the, the full band, but it's nice having that option. And for me as a co-writer going, you know, some of the stuff I've cut like with Wilkes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they don't demo everything because they have to protect their time. And you don't want to take advantage of that. But the stuff that we write that's really cool, he can go in, take his time. He sings great. He produces great and all that stuff. You're like, man, that's a killer demo. And I didn't get a bill. Yeah. But that's awesome. I'm <laughs> yeah. not bringing value. Yeah. yeah. You know, and this other guy I'm working with, David, same thing. It's like, oh, great demo. People are going, where'd you do the demo? I'm like, it's my co-writer. You know, and it didn't cost me a dime. And talk about bringing value. That's something else you can bring into the room as a co-writer. And that's another value you can bring into a publishing relationship going, Oh, that's nice. Cause that changes the, the economics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be as expensive to um, get stuff done. So anyway, so, so I think uh, in the room with. if you, you know, if you've got a rig of some sort, there's a, it's worthwhile. We're saying here to bone up on your chops and start <clears throat> messing around with that and trying to create country tracks and or pop tracks, or whatever you're doing, whatever genre you're in, rap, hip hop, whatever, yeah. to, to start to make those yourself 
now you're coming with something that really could be valuable and it's another thing, it's another way for you to get in and get heard and get opportunities. Yeah. Now, if you stink at it, it's not going to, you know, it's yeah. not going to help. <laughs> so you got to have the goods. But uh, yeah, if you can do that, that's just a, it's another part of value that you can bring in. And, uh, you know, just bringing in, it's, it's all about the value you bring. I mean, publishers are looking to get their problems solved. They're not looking to solve your problems. That's right. They're looking to solve their problems. And how do they solve their problems? By solving the artist's problems. Yep. You know, all advanced by solving someone else's problem. Yep. And that's another value you bring in is, yeah, I can, I can create these tracks. You can stick me in the room with anybody. And when you know, it's a song that's worth it, we can come out with the demo. And so many publishers are hearing more and more stuff turned into them the first time they're hearing the song. It sounds like a record. Yeah. Yep. And they're not hearing as many of the bang away on the guitar things. Yep. But still, a great publisher can hear a great song. But may not have to use their imagination as much. But sometimes they want to hear stripped down so they can imagine, oh, no, this could be for so-and-so. Now let's put that intention to, to build it broad. So nothing's a complete science. We're all figuring it out. There's always some wiggle room. It's not black and white. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of moving parts, man. So you just got to be a student of the game. Yeah. And, and one thing we'll end on, because I know we're, we're going here, is don't be afraid to write an alternate version of your song to see if a different direction can make it better. You can always go back to the original version. And that was something he challenged some people with uh, several times on, that, on the Play for Publisher event was like, I'm hearing this and that's cool. What if you did something like this with it? You know, this kind of direction or this angle, or maybe you like, man, the melody doesn't quite fit, fit the, the vibe of the lyric and the tone of the lyric. It's like more aggressive than what your lyric is or vice versa or whatever. You're like, play with a different sonics of it. Play mm-hmm. with different moods, the melody. You still got your original version. Just consider this an alternate version. Play with it. If it doesn't work, you still got what you had. That's a beautiful thing about writing. You, you, it's not like paving a road. Once you pave over it, you can't go back to the way it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's... No, we still now we have this version and we have the other version. Which one's feeling better? You're not out anything but time, uh, but at the same time you're working and you're learning. So that was one thing he he encouraged people to do is like, man, take an, take another stab at it. Don't be afraid to do an alternate version because you still have the original. I want to add to that. So so I do this often in the studio when I'm doing not only song demos but artist tracks. If I'm producing an artist track mm-hmm. with the players, I do it with the singers. I do it with. Uh, the engineers, I, you know, if we're, the player goes and they hit something and like, wow, okay, we got that. That's a take. But I hear something, mm-hmm. I try something. Hey man, try to do it this way. And then we'll playlist the other one, right? Yeah. Because you, know, it, you save it. It's not, you don't tape over it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like know? a free play in football. Like when the defense goes off, we still get to snap the ball and try to throw a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, you don't, you don't lose it down. You know, right. it's that kind of a thing. Or vocally, I do this often with, especially in, in artist tracks where I'll be like, okay, we got that. I, I, let's just try something. Let's try this or that. And now there's a feeling of comfort with the artist. Like, mm-hmm. okay. We're this playing is, with house money. Yeah. Now we're, now we're, now we're just, you know what? We're just throwing spaghetti against the wall and see if it sticks. Let's just have yeah. some fun. We got, we, we got what we need. Let's yeah. see. We have something we didn't even know we needed. How fun is that? Right. Yeah. And then a lot of times that just, it's, it's a psychological trick too, not for nothing, but a lot of times I'll do that. And then now they can swing for the fences cause they don't have to worry about anything. It's right. like, we got this. Just try to do this. Just see if you can beat it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay. And we got like, I'm happy, but let's just see if we can be, and then they'll try something and then they'll nail it. And you're like, yes, there we go. Cause they're not overthinking it now. And mm-hmm. they feel a freedom pressure's off the pressures off. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what, like, uh, what what a great way to maybe go back and take some of your better melodies or some of your better grooves, just go revisit them and maybe do a start with a song title challenge, like a self done song yeah. title challenge, right? Or you know, call you for one and just see what are the ways you could go with it, and then see if maybe you can't cook up something that beats the old lyric. And yeah. now, because because you've got this cool vibe and you've got this cool melody. And then, or in, in this case, he's talking about the melody too. And like you said, just play around some different alternative versions because now it's, it's freedom, right? Now you, yeah. you've already got, like, you can't lose. Like, you've already got the song, you know? Right. So what, why not try something different? It's fun. It's, it's just such a good time, you know? Yeah. When you think about it artistically like that, it's like a different well, castle in the like, you know, like movie making or something. Like, okay, we nailed the scripted scene. 
Let's do some ad libs. Yeah, yeah. Let's just see what yeah, happens. A lot of those end up in the movies. Yeah, let's just see what happens. We did this. Dude, I got to so tell you this real quick. So I, we did this, we just did this with the Lonely Highway Boys in the studio. And, um, you know, this is a vocal group with an edge. It's three brothers. They, they harmonize like nobody's business together. And we, we initially tracked them individually doing their parts, right? The mm-hmm. root, they're at the fifth. And then we doubled them, okay? Mm-hmm. But then, so then when we got done with all that, we went back and I'm like, okay, now I want to do overdub and add the three of them around sing in harmony together, like in blending around one microphone. Mm. And, and then, we went, then we went and tried the Queen thing, right? Which I've been dying to do for years and I haven't had a group that could do it. You know, I just yeah. didn't have the opportunity to do it. And the Queen thing, the way they did the vocals was every, all the guys were around the microphone singing a unison on the root note. And then they were all around the mic singing a unison on the third. And then they were all around the mic singing a unison on the fifth. And they mixed those together. And it was like, in, it was, that's how they created the Queen sound, right? It wasn't like everybody blending together like they did live. It was yeah. different in the studio. So we tried that. And like the engineer who's like a really good engineer. who have like a tremendous amount of respect for it. He's done a bunch of yeah. records. He, he wasn't getting it in the beginning. Like I kept trying to explain it and, and we kept going different directions and it was kind of like a, I had to reel them in a little bit. Like, yeah, hey, we're going to do this next. And the band bought into it. They're like, they trust me to the end of the earth. They're like, okay, we'll try it. They went in there. We got done with that. Dude, his eyes were as big as saucers, you know, because we had nothing to lose. We've already got the tracks. Yeah. Let's try this different thing. And dude, I, I, I can't wait to play it for you, man. It was so like, <laughs> it just, we're going to add it in at the end of like a couple tracks. Yeah. Cause it adds this different dimension vocally with the same freaking notes, but it's done a different way. Yeah. And it adds this like intensity that adds energy to the end of the track that I can't even describe. But the engineer was like, that's how queen did it. That's really cool, dude. Like, I'm so glad we did this. I'm like, I know, you know, <laughs> like, sometimes we just got to go a little bit beyond yeah. when we get the work done now we can play a little bit <laughs> that's awesome well i know we've been going long i just want to close out uh, listen if you want to be in the room in the virtual room you know it's online it's from anywhere in the world if you want to join that room and have a chance of being in the room with a publisher where they're giving you feedback on your song or if you just want to be a fly on the wall and watch the replay our next Play for Publisher event is coming up, and our guest is Joe Dan Cornett. He's the creative director of Daywind Music Publishing and also of Billy Blue Publishing. Daywind, man, he works with country, southern gospel, bluegrass, and CCM worship markets. Over at Billy Blue, it's a, it's a pretty new publishing company that is focusing on bluegrass. So, I mean, he covers a lot of stuff, country, southern gospel, bluegrass, CCM. So if you have the songs, pretty much any genre, he knows what to do with them. So here's your chance to play for a publisher, get professional feedback, make a connection, learn a lot, just get value bombs dropped all over you. So that's coming up in uh, June. And, you know, we'll, hey, tickets are on sale now, basically, for submitting Mm -hmm. songs. And so you can go to the blog at songwritingpro.com. We'll have stuff there. But the best way to make sure that you get the opportunity and, and know about the submission, all that stuff, is to download my free ebook, Think Like a Pro Songwriter at giftfrombrent.com giftfrombrent.com just go download the free ebook which is helpful and valuable all by itself and then that puts you on the the email list where we can let you know about the play for publisher events as they come up so you never miss one you never miss an opportunity to to throw your song out there and see what joe dan in this case thinks about it and another three months would be somebody else and you can take a swing that's killer, man. Again, great opportunity. Even if you don't have a song that you think is ready yet, just go see what's going on. Yeah. You know, just go see, see what's up. Go see, see what the bar is. And then, and then, then you know what you got to work on. Then you know exactly how far you got to go. So anyway, guys, that was killer. Another, another killer episode here at The Climb. Uh, join The Climb community if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the podcast on wherever platform, whatever platform you use to, to consume your podcasts leave a five-star rating review. It makes us look legit. And, and the best thing you can do is share, share it with somebody, tell them why it's working for you and they can find some value in it for them. And we've found just from looking at the data and the numbers that once people get into it and they find an episode or two that they like, they go back and they, they listen to everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've never had a month since we started. We're three years in now where our first 10 episodes didn't have double digit uh, views. And, and that's, that you got to go way back 
to you know, <laughs> yeah, down yeah. the list to get that. So that's people looking, for, you know what I mean? That's not an accident. <laughs> like right. they're going down. So so it's valuable. People are digging it. So tell somebody about it. But this, this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.